We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode number 28 of Lion Legacy. We are at the end of summer, and for Penn Staters, pretty much summer is over. Class is back in session, back to school. Ross, you remember your first day, freshman year? Yeah, you know, I I was thinking about that. I have some vivid memories of, of obviously, of move-in and the first couple of days leading up to class. I, I don't remember specifically the first day of classes. I kind of remember going into Forum Building or Thomas Building, some of the larger lecture halls, but saying to myself, oh my goodness, obviously you've never been in a in a classroom that size. So that was a little bit jarring. But yeah, no, the back to school is, is something. Obviously, it's it, it, not only back to school, but students are in, are in person, right? And hopefully more of a pre-COVID, um, and hopefully the, they can keep it that way. Yeah, let's hope. I remember having a couple of butterflies during yeah. that first day, just like, sure. all right, here we are, right? You didn't really know what to expect. Right. You didn't know many people in class. And it's like, all right, this is the big time, right? This is what everyone thinks about, talks about. We're finally here and uh, yeah, let's get started. And it was, uh, it was a good journey after that. I enjoyed the classes. I think freshman year, I remember our English, you get, get through some of those gen eds, took what was it, English 15, took a public speaking class, which I think was, yep, was good. Was right. And then, yeah, it gets even better once you get into your major and you start making friends and start taking classes that are a little bit more relevant to what you want to do and where you want to go in the world. Yeah. You could go back and you know, you're always a little bit stressed out about class. And then you, know, you look back and you're like, ah, those are some easy days, right? <laughs> Well, it's true. It's all relative, right? And as a student, your job is to get the good, get the grades so you can go and go on and do what you want after college. But yeah, so I, at the time, there, there's a level of pressure to it. And so I can appreciate that. I remember many a nights in the Paterno and Petit library. I was always mm-hmm. a library guy. I know some mm-hmm. people like studying in their dorm room, but I always preferred going somewhere else. That's right. Got to get that quiet spot so you can focus. Exactly. Get, get away from the distractions, right? So oh my god! I remember studying in the in the, uh, in the dorm. Remember they had the study lounges. Yes. And then it was yeah, it was just I think half the time I would fall asleep, and I'm like, okay, I can't stay here. I need to wake up and focus. <laughs> Too many distractions for sure. Yes, exactly. Too many distractions. Well, we got a great guest this week. I'm excited uh, about it. Yeah, we so we spoke with John Culinary. Some of you may know him from HGTV's The Cousins. Very cool conversation with John. He, he started out in more of a corporate career, which he's going to tell us about. And then he quickly learned that wasn't really his passion. And uh, he joined his family's construction business, and which had been around for many years. It was really cool. You could certainly hear the passion in his voice for what he does. We've got a nice view behind the scenes of TV, how all that works out, working with the producers. And hey, this is how we're going to put a an HGTV home renovation show on the air. So I, I, that was cool to me, just getting a view under the hood. And uh, you must have and you must have a, an appreciation, probably a deeper appreciation than I do, because I've always been a renter my entire yeah. life and never had to redesign a, a place or think about renovations. But I know you just went through one not too long ago. As a homeowner, I've done some some home renovations. I've redone a kitchen, redone a, a master bathroom. And so I know working with contractors, what's all involved. And so I don't want to give it away, but some of the kind of the deadlines and, and the 
speed at which John and his folks had to meet the requirements for television were a little bit surprising. <laughs> so I, I give him all the credit. De definitely have an appreciation there for, for what he does and what he did. And then tells us what he's up to today. And uh, he's uh, on to some new ventures. It's a great conversation there with John. So let's get the camera rolling and we'll go build up a podcast episode with John Culinary. <laughs> All right, let's welcome John Culinary, 2003 graduate in labor and industrial relations. If you're thinking that name sounds familiar, well, it probably does. You may know him as one of the cousins from the wildly popular home renovation and design shows on HGTV. John has also made multiple appearances on the Ellen DeGeneres show and the Rachel Ray show. And for those of you who will be at homecoming this year, be sure to look for John as he'll be our grand marshal. John, this is going to be a fun conversation. Welcome to Lion Legacy. Awesome, guys. Thank you for having me. I always love talking with fellow Penn Staters. We get to reminisce and say, why can't we be back in college? Because <laughs> <laughs> we know we all wish we were. We wish we were back there. Those, those are some good times. True, truer words have never been said, John. Yes. Yeah. Um, John, hey, if you look at, back at your journey immediately after Penn State, I, I guess it was it was like somewhat cookie cutter, if you will. Uh, you entered the corporate world with Fisher Scientific. Yep. Uh, you moved on to work for an international audio speaker company, Fitel. Was that how you yep. say it? Correct. Italian okay. company. Yep. And then uh, fast forward a couple of years, 07, you started working for your family construction business. So two-part question. Tell us about the family business. And then what triggered the change from the corporate world to the family business world? So back when I was in college, my summer jobs were always going home and working for one of my uncle's construction companies. But uh, that was, it, it was just, it, it was great money. I'm not going to lie. It was definitely my going out money to, to the bars. And I got to live large with what I made from those construction sites. But I also had a great time. I was outside. I, I, I had some great friendships with some of the guys that I worked with because every summer I'd come home, I'd work with the same crew, depending on where they were in New Jersey. Um, so I, I, I loved it. Now, when I came out of college, I think it's like so many people when they go to college. You're unsure of, you don't know exactly what you want. So you're trying to find your way. And I feel so many people tell you what they think is the path. And the advice I give to everybody now, and I do a lot of talks is there is no path. That, that whole path thing, you got to do this. You got to follow this. It is so different and random for everybody. You don't know where your life is going to, to leave you. So for me, going out of college was what everyone told you, right? Oh, you should go work for a large company. You know, you, you need to do this. You, know, you, you need to do that. And in reality, I wasn't happy. I, I wasn't, it wasn't a passion of mine. It was a job. Really, that's all it was. It was a job. It was getting income so I can get my own apartment and start my life and, and do those steps that you want to do when you do graduate college. So it was good. I, I definitely learned the, the corporate structure. But at the end of the day, I was like, this isn't me. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't want to be in these long meetings. I don't want to deal with the bureaucracy of large companies. I'm like, just not me at all. Um, I like to be outside. I, I like to be creative. I like, I like to do those things. And that's where I wish I went more down the road in the architecture realm at Penn State. Um, I just, I didn't have the right guidance in, in, in getting me there. But when I was working for Fitel, one of my uncles came to me and said, hey, look, our construction company is growing. 
we know that you have the background. We know that you have a business background. Would you come on as a project manager? Because they were just getting ready to start one of their largest projects in Jersey City, the Jersey City Hoboken area. People that aren't familiar with it, especially then and still now, very hot area, especially for real estate and development. And they bought this old warehouse that was built in the 1890s converting it to 22 condos and a commercial unit. So they needed me to, to come on and, and, and help them run that project. And that's what I did. I said, I was like, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I love working for, for my uncle, my cousin, Anthony, who was already one of my best friends. We went to high school together. He drove me to high school. I was like, oh, this is great. This is so cool. Get to work with my cousin. We're gonna have a great time. You know, we're gonna build this building. And that's how it all started. That's how it really kicked off. And the creative aspect of working in an environment was it really made me who I am today in my own professional world and in my own business. So now you gotta tell us 2011, right? HDTV comes calling yeah. and you get your first show. Like, how did this all happen? You go from the corporate world to into the family business, yeah. and now you've got your show. Exactly. So craziness, right? It's something that I never expected. Again, this is where that path, right? That that road that everyone tells you is supposed to be mapped out is not mapped out. Totally random. When we were doing the construction company, so when I came, I started working for them in 2008. We finished the building for Jersey City. That was right towards the end of 2009. I believe I want to say it was like October 2009. We literally cut the ribbon that the day Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt and the whole financial world and real estate world blows up. So you can imagine whatever I was, 26 years old, 27 I'm like, okay, this is craziness. I never thought I would experience something like this. My uncle is, uh, he's having sweats because he's like, all right, we have a $8 million building. We need to sell 22 condos and there's not a bank that's going to give every, anybody a mortgage. What are we going to do here? It was pretty crazy. And it was, it was a wake up call. It really, for, for me, from a business per perspective, from a growing up perspective, it really opened my eyes to welcome to the real world, son. This is how it goes. My, my uncle had a ton of his own money in this project with investors and I cared for my family. I didn't want them. I didn't want anything bad to, to happen because you heard all the stories of people going bankrupt and things going crazy and people going out of business everywhere. So we started getting creative and we got a lot of accolades because of that building. We, we designed and built it Again, I was not professionally taught any design. It was just through what I, I learned throughout the years. And through that, we got articles in, in the New York Times. And we started really getting a lot of people saying, who are, who are these guys from, from Jersey, small company, family company? They have this 22-unit building, never heard of them before. And we started getting a lot of press. One of my friends who was from Hoboken, she was actually in real estate. She said, hey, you guys are getting so much press and you should make a, a video and do a reality show about your company. And I, and I was like, what are you talking about? And you have to realize it's not that long ago, but back in 2010, 2011, one, it's the infancy of 
Instagram and Twitter and social media. Yeah, Facebook was around for a little bit, but really not like def by far not what today is in TikTok and all this craziness. And even reality shows, it wasn't that huge. Yes, you had the real world, which was, you know, that that stuff kind of kicked it off and maybe the Kardashians like just started, but it wasn't like it is today where just Real Housewives and all these crazy, all these shows that are everywhere. So we pushed it off and she's like, well, I think you should maybe try, you know, maybe this HGTV. I didn't even know what HGTV was. I mean, it, well, and, and HGTV in 2010 was nothing what it is now. Really, some people heard of it. They had shows that really no one kind of heard of. The Property Brothers were just like starting out there and things like that. So it, it was on a much smaller scale than where it is now being bought out by Discovery and being part of Discovery Plus and all these different things now. So she literally walked around. Again, this is before we put everything on our phones on video, this little flip camera thing that, that she had and taped us for a day. She randomly searches production companies on her Google search engine, doesn't know anybody in television, finds this random uh, company that's in Manhattan. They make documentaries. They don't even make reality TV shows. Sends it over to them and the, the, the gentleman there watched it and he's like, oh, I actually went to college with this person that's a vice president at DIY Network. Again, you see the college, knowing people through college definitely helps, mm -hmm. alumni helps. And he sent our video over to this vice president at DIY Network. The guy liked it. He's like, hey, look, can you send out a couple more sophisticated camera crews out there? We really wanna just get some better footage so we can understand it. That's what they did. And this was in, I wanna say that was, they sent that camera crew out probably, it was in, I would say the summer of 2010 is when they sent it out. And then crickets, we don't hear anything from anybody for a good eight months, getting close to a year. And randomly we get a call to our office one day it's the owner of the production company. He's, hey, John Anthony, how you doing, guys? Andrew from XYZ Production. He goes, we came out and we filmed you guys. Would you want to do a TV show? They want to do a pilot. If the pilot looks good, then they would green light it and it would go. We don't even know anything about this. So we're. I have no clue what he's even talking about. He's look, he goes, if you can show up to this house in three weeks, it's in Hoboken, we would like you to demo and build out a new kitchen. We're like, we just built almost a $10 million building. Doing a kitchen is, yeah, you want that done? That's easy. He's like, but it's got to get done fast. Like we want the kitchen done in two weeks. We're like, all right, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll see what, what we can do. And we randomly show up at this lady's house. She has no clue who we are. We have no clue who she is. You got to think about it. It's pretty crazy. You have two random guys. One, film a television show in your house. And two, demolish your entire kitchen and <laughs> redo it for you. I don't know. If someone asked me that, I, I'm sorry. I don't think so. Not something that uh, happens every day, right? It's just crazy. And uh, the best advice I ever got was the first day, one of the producers who became one of our best friends and was involved in all of our shows on HGTV, he told us, I say, what do you want us to do? He's look, you do you. I want you to treat this client as if we're not here. How would you speak to them? What would you, what would your, what would your mannerisms be? What would you do within the kitchen? You do it, we'll follow you. And if anything needs to change, I'll stop you. I'll tell you what you need to do. And that was it. And that's how the whole thing kicked off. From then, that's when the train started for us.
That's awesome. I, I love that. And we're going to get more into the shows in a second. But first, a little bit of background. You alluded uh, a moment ago to your cousin, Anthony Carino. So first, tell us a little bit about him. What was his role in the family business, his background? And what's the maybe what was the division of labor when you joined? What was you know, sure. what were you focused on? What was he focused on? So Anthony was part owner with my uncle, his father. So they were partners in the business. He was focused on getting new business, the new projects, contracts, things like that, the, the larger scale. Then I was a project manager, so I was in charge of that building in Jersey City. And then we had a supervisor that worked for us that was also in charge of, of different projects that, that we had. And it was great because Anthony, again, worked construction with his dad for many years, went to business school, had a business background. He went, he went to Babson College. So he was really fine-tuned in that. And with his with working on construction sites growing up, just he also knew construction and how it works. So having that business background as well as the, the construction aspect, it really helped us grow our business and move on to the larger projects. Because once you get into those projects that are multifamily, a couple of million dollars, there's so much back office that goes into it. Contract worked with subcontractors, insurance, things like that. It, it really, it's something you have to stay on top of as well, of course, building it, but the back office is just as Got it. All right. So now we're going to go back to the story. So you, you guys filmed the pilot, right? And then along the way, you can fill it in for us. How does that grow into the Cousins franchise as we know it today and all the different shows that you're working on? Yeah. So when we first demoed the kitchen, we were, let's say, halfway through the actual build of it. And HGTV wanted to see a sizzle. So a sizzle is just a string out of a quick bites of what the show could look like because you got to realize this is brand new format this wasn't a, this wasn't a show like most shows are pitched and they're saying okay we have the format we have the talent this is how we're going to do it and the, and the network says okay sounds good maybe we want to make one episode just to just to see how it looks otherwise just go, go out and make a series so this they were literally figuring it out along the entire way. They didn't know how the format of the show was going to go. And my producer was learning how we all interacted as a family. And he said, you know what? This would be great. We want to do a docudrama that shows your company, your business. They would come to our office. They would film inside our office. At that time, I was living in Jersey City and the one building we just finished, I owned a condo in it. My cousin Anthony owned a condo and my aunt and uncle owned a condo. So the three of us lived in the same building. So it was everybody loves Raymond on different floors. Like we would have, my aunt would make these big like Sunday meals for us. They would tape them and they, it was a lot of fun. And the network just saw literally, I want to say it was probably like five minutes of what the show could be. And they said, we love it. We want it. We're going to build, we're going to buy 13 episodes immediately. And that's it. And just keep it going. And then it started to go really fast. And they started to take off and casting and the production company we were working for was like scrambling, like we got to hire this person, you know, because in TV, everybody's contractors. They really don't, it, they don't keep on these big staff of people. It's if a show gets greenlit, then they start hiring people immediately for that show. So they're hiring all these different people, camera guys, sound guys, all these things. And we started doing primarily most of our shows were done in the Hudson County area. So that's in Jersey City, Hoboken. Started branching off more into other areas of New Jersey. And 
And as we started getting more popular and when the show finally aired in 2011, they said, hey, we would love for you guys to go out to like California and maybe do some episodes out there. We did a couple celebrity episodes of celebrities out there in, in their homes. And then the shows just started to morph because they wanted us to do more. They're like, all right, we don't want just kitchens. We want you to do the whole first floor of a house. So then it went to Cousins on Call. And then they said, now we want you to do a whole house. And then we got involved with The Ellen Show. And they said, okay, we're going to make it more of a surprise show. So it went to Cousins Undercover. So then it was this bigger show with Ellen kind of being involved in, in, in some of the episodes. And then, so that's how the Cousins franchise of shows really got kicked off. And they morphed because the network always wanted bigger and better. I love that story. And I love just how it just continue to evolve and evolve. I'm curious, designing a home or renovating a home has its own challenges outside of television. Oh, when yeah. you add television into it, what is the most challenging part? Well, what we did for majority of the first season, it was we taught construction to the production company and the production company taught TV to us because <laughs> they had no clue about construction. They didn't know what to film, what to get. And again, for us, we, when you're in, when you're in construction, it's just go, 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 go. And you're moving very fast. It was for us. We, we had to realize and learn. We had to slow down. There's a lot of second takes. There's doing things twice because they need to, because they didn't get it. The camera guy missed it. So we were really teaching each other. And that's how I, I started. And now I, I understand how TV works. It was that back and forth. So understanding that and helping them understand it, it, it really made for some great television because they got in depth. They wanted to know, okay, oh, I see why you're doing that. We need to shoot it this way. So the audience understands what you're building and, and why it's happening that way. So all these things were happening at the same time. And and you got to realize probably at, at, at one, any given time, we had four or five episodes going out at once in all different stages. Maybe w one house was in the demo stage. Another was framed out. Another was in, in, in the rough stage of doing electric and plumbing. Another was, was doing sheetrock. Another had cabinets going in. So my mind was, it was constantly spinning. I'm standing up doing interviews and they're asking me, I'm like, which house? Where, what, what person was that again? Where am I? It, it was cool. It was really cool. And it was interesting to understand how they put together an episode and why they did it and shot it in certain ways because they they needed to string it out and then i started to understand why they did that and i'm like all right now i get it they're making this half an hour show i see how it has to hit certain you have act one act two act three act four and just like you're doing a book and you have these ups and downs of course television shows are done the same exact way and they have to do it that way so it was really cool to see it all come together is there a particular home renovation or project that stands out to you as being most memorable i would say over the years you know we did throughout our hgv shows and the ellen digital shows i've done well over a hundred episodes of tv so quite a few to uh choose from but the best ones were always the ones that we did in conjunction with Ellen. So that was the one that we co-shot with her show. We would go to the Ellen show. We'd be on stage with Ellen. We would surprise whoever we were doing it for. Then we'd fly back to the house, start construction immediately. Like those were always the best part about them was we got to do it for, for always a local hero. 
That could be a service man or woman that just came back. That could be for a police officer, a firefighter. We did it for nurses, teachers. It was always great because those people were the ones that always would get, they, you always hear these stories. So they gave, gave, gave to their communities, to their work. And then finally they got to do something for them. And they're the last person to ask for it. And that's the best part. By far, hands down, always the best because we'd have volunteers that would show up and it was their friends and family and people that said, you're doing this literally for the best person that that, that I know because they always give back to others. They're, they're the one that always shows up first when someone says, hey, I need help this. They're doing it. So those are by far always the best. Yeah, true impact right there for sure. Yeah. Curious, you started in 2019, Lily Shade Design. And yes. when we read that, it was like, there's a story there behind the name yeah. that I'd love to hear. And then also, what are you doing with this project? Because clearly you're a true entrepreneur. Yeah, so I always wanted to start my own de design business. So my uncle retired, he closed down the company and my cousin Anthony, he's like, I don't wanna do it. He's like, I'm gonna do my own private clients. He lives in the city, I live in the suburbs here in Jersey. So we're in two, di two different areas. And I had so many people asking me like, hey, can you design this? Can you do this? Can you do this for me? And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to start my own business. And the Lily Shea are my daughter's names. Lily and Shay combined. And now I have a ton of projects that I do around here. And those are design built for my clients. So it's anything from new home construction to additions to kitchens, really whatever anybody wants. And I love doing that along with my media. So I have my design and my construction management business that, that I run. Then I also have all the media that I do as well. So it's definitely two different jobs I have, but I like doing both. So it's fun. Great. What's the uh, pandemic been like for you and your business? So definitely when the pandemic hit, it was uh, crazy town and everything stopped immediately for a couple months. I was actually in my house. I'm in now I was under construction with this. So that was crazy that that threw a bunch of hurdles into it. So for, I mean, a good six months, it really, there wasn't much going on because I think everybody was trying to understand how to navigate through. And then once things started, people started understanding COVID in general. And then everyone started saying, oh, the, the vaccine's coming out. My business and the construction industry, as everyone knows, is just gangbuster. It, it's just been so busy, hard to keep up with. Sometimes the prices of things are astronomical and I don't understand it, but that is just a reality of our industry and a lot of other industries that, that's going on right now. It's, it is definitely very busy and I know it's not going to be that way for the entire time. So I'm just trying to take advantage as much of it as I can. I'm, I'm curious about the process, right? When someone comes to you, a home is so personal. Yep. How do you translate those conversations into a, a vision and then a design? So I, I just like our shows, I'm always sitting down with my clients, understanding what they want and how they really interact inside their house. Whether they have kids, don't have kids, do they have big parties, family members that, that, that come over. It makes me understand how they move around inside the house. And then I can start saying, okay, now let's get into the design portion of it. And I create a mood board for them that are the things that they love and they and that they really want to see inside their house. Once I do my mood board, I'll give six suggestions, items that I see inside their house. So I play off of some of the, the design, but then I want to enhance the design and, and step it up a notch. So once I put that 
mood board together for them. Then I could sit down and we start checking off like, oh, I love this or I don't like this. I like this. I, I don't like this. The biggest thing I do with my clients is the planning portion. I tell my clients I am not somebody that rushes into a project. I like to plan. I like to take anywhere from two to three months just to plan out an entire project. It'll make it run faster. It'll make it run more efficient. It'll save money. And I tell them like, look, those are things I learned from my, my television shows because there was so much planning that would go into it because we would literally have a week to get these projects done. The only way you get it done in a week is you are literally ordering every piece of design item when you're ready to start. So when we would roll up to somebody's house, we'd roll up with three box trucks and everything we needed was inside there. Very cool. So the John, the next question here is uh, is actually from a student. We have a um, great partnership with the Daily Collegian. You'll remember the yeah. uh, student-run newspaper at Penn State. Every episode, they collect questions for us that are submitted by students. So this week's question comes to us from Sophia Kelly. She's a junior studying marketing. And Sophia wants to know, she said, you have a number one best-selling children's book and a fitness show on YouTube. So it just goes along with what we were saying. You're a true entrepreneur. Yes. And so Sophia would like to know, what's your inspiration to venture into those industries? I, I, I think the biggest thing, one to everyone right now, writing a children's book, there's not a lot of words, but it's not easy to say that much. It was uh, takes a lot of forethought to go along with pictures and knowing what kids will respond to. So interesting when you're doing a kid's book. But I think with any entrepreneur and any person going out and trying to carve their own path, the biggest thing for myself over and really it's it's probably it's something that didn't happen overnight i think so many people want that fast i want my own business i want my own huge career or if you have if you want to get involved in in television or i want my own show or you know all, all these things sometimes you have to be patient and and you have to wait and see kind of what happens and i learned even though i was thrown in, into this world it took me a good five to seven years for me to fully understand how to capitalize off it and, and how to really make my own path. And not until I got into my early 30s that I really understand all the different businesses that I wanted to do from my standpoint and for my family. I was just getting married and having kids and doing all these things. And the biggest thing for me was I had a couple flags that that I that, that were my most important items in, in, in my life. One, am I passionate about it? I think that's, a, that's the number one rule. You have to love what you do. I, I, I Everyone says it and I can't sh stress it enough, especially to students um, and to people that, that are really looking um, as what am I going to do in my next career? I didn't want to be in the corporate world. I didn't, I didn't want to be behind a desk. I really wanted something that was flexible and something that I, I love to do. So that's your first and foremost. Next it's understanding you as a person. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur. I'm sorry, everybody shouldn't go to college. I wish I am a big advocate of more people going in, in, into the trades and getting involved. I tell people all the time, these guys that are in construction, they didn't go to college. They make great money. They make way more money than some people that come out of college and they've been doing it for many more years 
and have this big financial base and, and nest egg before people, before you're actually ma- making money from your college degree. So it, you have to understand your yourself a, a, as a person. And then once you understand that, then you're going to say, oh, okay, I do want to be an entrepreneur. I can run my own business. And you have to understand running your own business, John, me, I do the accounting. I do the back office stuff. If you don't like doing that stuff or you don't know how to do it, you're going to have a difficult time. You have to know how to you have to know how to manage your own schedule. Some people don't know how to manage their, their own schedule. They need to be in that office setting because they need a boss to say, "You need to show up here at this time. You have XYZ meetings. This is where you need to be. Go." There's nothing wrong with that. It's just understanding you and what you really can see yourself doing. And I've known, I've seen myself as that person grow up. It's taking me a while to get to the pinnacle point where I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to do my own thing. I love doing that. I would never tell somebody that is exactly the path for you. Just like I said, when we started this out, your path is so different. You can't listen to what everybody tells you. I've definitely had many different people. I've taken things from what my parents have told me, from what uncles have told me, from what college advisors. I've taken a little bit from all these people. I had one bought my first job, my Fortune 500. I had a great boss, great guy. He taught me a lot. I've definitely taken all these little nuggets from everybody, put it together, and it's made my path. It's made my road where I'm like, okay, this is who I am as a professional, as a person, and it allows me to excel. And I think every person, especially college, when you're 19, 20 years old, you need that. You should really hear more of what people are going through and understand what is the best for you. Because I think too many people get fixated on, I have to do it this way. This is what was told to me. My advisor told me I have to do it exactly like this. Absolutely wrong. It's not that way. You can't follow in someone's same footsteps, nor should you want to. I would always, even my own kids, even if, if they someday they want to go into design or, or construction, whether they want to or not, I hope they do way better than I do. I want them to excel. Take some of it, what you learned from me, and do more. And that should be every industry, every professional. You take a little bit and you want to make it better. And that's the only way all of us are are going to get better. So, Hey, some amazing nuggets of wisdom and advice there. I try. Every, everyone I try. should take that. I love it. I love it. So speaking of the future, and you've got obviously a, a, a lot of passion, what are you most excited about? What are you thinking? I'm excited. I'm excited for my own business just because I have so many different projects going on. It's one of those things. It's I'm excited for, I, I am pitching a new show. I'm, a goal of mine, I, I create different goals. I, I want to have a Netflix show or a streaming show. Again, it's very hard to do. The TV world is, it's not like it used to be. It, it takes a lot more steps. Some people could get discouraged and I hear a lot more no than yeses by far. And I, uh, again, it's another thing you have to learn. You have to understand you're going to hear a ton of no's and you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And if you're cool with that and you can handle it, then that's okay. And, and for me, again, maturity wise, my professional career, 
I've learned that. And, and that's what made me grow to, to this point. So I'm excited about my business, excited about possibility of, of doing another show. But at the end of the day, really for me, getting, I just turned 40 this year. Okay, I can't blame you. you guys know you're you're going to be there in a second. It's it's about me feeling good about me spending time with my kids and, and my family. It's about taking care of myself. That's why I have the fitness channel and I'm into fitness and things like that because you do. You really have to care about yourself and really how, how you feel. And if you don't feel good in what you're doing and you're in the wrong job, it's it's time for a change. Another great piece of advice there. You are, you're killing it here. Love it. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about Penn State. We're going to put you in the lion's den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time at Penn State, which actually overlapped with our time at Penn State. Yeah. Just remember, when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. John, we, we've loved hearing about your impressive career, all aspects of it. And, and certainly I echo what Jared said, some great advice. Tell us about how Penn State has prepared you for this career and the professional life that you've built. So Penn State, by far the, the number one thing, and I, I tell this because even coming up and speaking to other alumni, the, the alumni base that we have is very special. And it's something that no student should take for granted at all because I meet Penn State alumni all the time. It doesn't matter whether it's in television, whether it's in construction, whether it's in just media in general. I, I work with a, a lot of brands and I'll just be talking to somebody and they're like, oh, when I went to college and boom, Penn State and that's it takes off. So having that support base as your backdrop for a college student is huge. I have so many of my friends, college was just college. It was just a school that they went to. It didn't mean much. And they're not involved with, with their alumni. They get some news, but they don't care. For me, I'm always involved and and I want to hear, I want the school to do better. I, I love hearing that. And I think that's the big difference between Penn State and other colleges that people go to. And for me, the friendships and the people that, that I met there, again, it was part of things that molded me to become who I am. Yep. Everyone that we have on talks about the people of Penn State and the friendships that they've made. So it's a common theme. There it is. Sure. It's just, it's so cool because for such a large school, it's, it's like your high school, your hometown. Everyone loves their high school, their hometown. Everyone wants it. You know, you're cheering for the sports teams. And then you go to someone like Penn State, it's the same way. And it's weird because you're like, wait a second though. There's however, I don't even know how many kids now, 70,000 or however many go there now. They're like, this school's massive, but it feels like a small town school. And everybody loves it with that same passion. And it's hard for me to describe that to people that did not go there. When I was there, I, a lot of my high school friends would come up on the weekends. I'd go to their colleges. We would trade off, and they'd always leave. And they're like, "This place is different. This is different." Like, our, and I had friends that went to all big schools: Maryland, West Virginia, Florida. You know, all these. And they're like, "It's not like that where we go to school. Like, this is it's not the same at all." And I would visit, and I'd feel the same way. I'm like, "This isn't the same. It's it's just not at all." So it's it's cool that it's just it's a cool experience to feel that and see it. Yeah, Ross and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. It's just that feeling that you can't really describe at the end of the day. Yeah, and and all mean, of us have it. Going to Thon, the, the homecoming, which I, I can't wait for. It's all these, like, in all honesty, homecoming. Like, for example, other colleges, homecoming, I mean, there's very few schools <laughs> that really care about homecoming. Yes, there's some big ones that, that do the big football game and things like that. But majority, 95% plus, homecoming is just another day. It doesn't matter. But for Penn State, alumni, it's a major deal. It's like a big deal. 
And again, your high school, high school homecomings and things like that. That it's that's the cool part about it. So this is going to be then tough. Can you give us your favorite Penn State memory? Favorite Penn State memory is <laughs> my God, going to like we were just talking about before we kicked this off the bowl game, my, my senior year in, in Orlando, and all the football games by, by far. I mean, look, those are the easy answers. In all honesty, the the best thing that I loved about Penn State were the moments, and I just gave this to 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 the Penn State or two because they, they were asking me. I told them I said it was when I was walking the campus by myself because the campus is just gorgeous. So we are going to take you back in time. If you could visit with yourself as an 18-year-old freshman, yeah. what advice would you share? I think I would definitely be more courageous going into I like I said I always loved architecture. I was very nervous of going into it. I thought I had to do more of a business background. I would put myself out there more. I definitely would even do more. I, I think I would try to be more involved in even just more organizations or different things because when it's over, it's over. And you look back and you say, oh, you know, I'll do it next time. There is no next time. And you get four years, maybe five years. I I, I wish I, I should have did five years. Parents probably would have killed me, but you only get one shot at it. And if you're second guessing yourself, that means you should do it. And you really should take up every opportunity available to you because there are so many at Penn State. You, you, it's just, it's infinite. And when you're older, you're going to look back and say, yeah, I could have probably did more. Like I, I definitely could have. So that's pretty much it for, for me. That At least the advice that I give to myself. Couldn't agree more. John, congratulations are in order. For those listeners that don't know, you are the 2021 homecoming marshal. We heard your excitement a moment ago about homecoming and, and yeah. we're certainly there with you. It's an amazing honor. I'm sure it'll be great having your, your family there with you. Tell us about the, what the plans are for that weekend. So it, it is, honestly, when they told me about it, I was I was floored. I, I really, I was, it's something I never, it's funny. People are like, oh, you've been on like the Ellen show and you go to, you've done all these things. I'm like, I don't even care about all that. You're asking me to come back and be the grand marshal at Penn State. That to me is like massive. It's it's honestly, it's the craziest thing that's ever like happened to me. And people might say, can't believe you would say that, but never been to Penn State. So you don't understand. So it's, it is, it's just, it's, it's a great honor. It's very humbling to, to be able to go back and, and do that, especially having my family and, and my kids with me to, to do that as well. And I'm excited. I'll be coming up on Thursday. I have a couple events planned with the Blue and White Society. And then I know there's like an ice cream social that they're doing. The parade, of course, being in the parade, which I cannot wait. The game on Saturday at one o'clock. But it's just, it's so cool. It, it's cool just to, to go back, experience it, have my family there to experience it with me. And then I get to be that old person reminiscing and saying, yeah, I was over here that time. And this is what happened. And I'll tell them some of the the PG stories. I'm not going to get into the R stories because we don't want to talk about that. And then it's just it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really good time. And also the fact that I think the students are all going to be back on campus. They've been waiting for this. This is such a big deal because they didn't get to do it in 2020. I was asked in 2020 to do it and it got canceled. So that's how they asked me again in 2021. I think that's the coolest part because I think there's going to be so much energy with the, with the football games. Everybody's back, excited, and uh, just ready to experience that, that Penn State aura. Hey, it's certainly a, a well-deserved honor and beyond just what you've achieved in your career, your early part of your career, I think it really just speaks to who you are as a person. And there's a couple of things you said really early on around no set defined path. 
evolving, learning, having fun, being passionate. And that's, I think, embodies what we want this Grand Marshal to be. So we're excited to, to have you represent the larger Penn State alumni base. So thanks again for joining us. We wish you a lot of success. We look forward to that Netflix or Amazon Prime or we'll streaming show it's that's so coming many, up. So many. So sir. many. But we always end with, we are. Penn State, baby. You know it. Lion Legacy is a Baruder production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.